Amen. Will you join me in prayer? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts gathered here be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In our Advent series over the past few weeks, we have been building toward the birth of Jesus. We'll read that portion of Luke on Christmas Eve, so we're not getting there today, friends. But before we get there, we do have one more important precursor to discuss. For a brief recap, if you are joining us for the first time, we want everyone to be on the same page this morning. The Gospel of Luke begins with a man named Zacharias, who is a high, Zachariah, who is a high priest of the Jewish faith. He's also older. He's older. Remember that. Older. And he, while in the temple, receives a message from the angel Gabriel. Gabriel says that he and his older wife, Elizabeth, will have a child, even though they're older. Yeah, you get it. The angel tells Zechariah that they must name this son that is to be born to Elizabeth, John, and that this child will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. Zechariah is told that this child, his son, will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Zechariah, once hearing all of this news, asks of the angel in Luke 1.18 this. Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this? <laughs> My wife and I are very old. The angel says that what the angel has says will happen because it is God's will for it to happen. And then the angel takes away Zechariah's voice because of the doubt he's exhibited. And the angel tells Zechariah that he will get his voice back when all of the things that have been prophesied come to pass. And Elizabeth does indeed become pregnant. After this story of Zechariah and the angel Gabriel, we get the Annunciation, or the portion of scripture where the angel Gabriel, who apparently was very busy throughout the first chapter of Luke, visits Mary, and it is there that Gabriel tells Mary that she will bear the Son of God. That's what we covered here in Modern Worship, week one of our series. Mary also has questions of the angel, but they are more out of this practicality rather than the doubt that Zechariah expressed. Mary wants to know how it can happen. And then the angel sort of vaguely tells her how. And Mary says, okay, I'm the Lord's servant. Immediately after Mary's encounter with an angel, she rushes to her relative Elizabeth's house. Yes, the older Elizabeth, who is married to Zechariah. It is there that Elizabeth warmly embraces her relative Mary, and she encourages her. And it's in that safe space that Mary proclaims what we know as the Magnificat, the famous song of praise that starts with Mary singing, my soul will magnify the Lord. That's what we covered last week. 
we talked about this beautiful intergenerational relationship, this friendship between Mary and Elizabeth, two very different women. All of this portion of Luke, remember, all of that happens only in the first chapter of Luke, and we're not even all the way through. There are 80 verses, friends. It's a lot. All of this first chapter of Luke truly embodies our series theme, comfort and joy. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, they were all in need of comfort in some way. Zechariah loses his voice and can't communicate with the world around him. Elizabeth found herself without a speaking husband and bearing a child at a very old age. Mary herself was pregnant with a child and wasn't yet married. Plus, throw in that these two babies have these really big prophecies made about them. And yeah, some people in our story need comfort. Unbelievable things are happening to them. Big responsibilities are being given to them. They need to be comforted that they are not alone in all of this bigness. And that's the thing about comfort. When everything is going great and things seem manageable and under control, there isn't much need for comfort. Or comfort may not seem as meaningful in those particular moments. Comfort is only impactful when there is someone in need of that comfort. We have a one and a half year old son named Miles, and Miles is not so big on staying still. Miles likes to go, go, go all of the time. If you have seen him here at the church, you'll notice that most of the time he is running around and off to the next big exciting thing. Miles is not big on sitting still. He's not big on cuddling. When he is in a go, go, go mode, which is most of the time, and I try to give him a hug or tell him how much I love him, Miles doesn't really have time for that. He's not super into my motherly comforting ways. However, I am learning that when you have a child that is go, 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 chances are his quick ways are going to catch up to him. He's going to take a tumble or he's going to take some type of risk that scares him. And when that happens, Miles has a lot of big feelings. And it is then that my little guy comes running for comfort. It's then that he needs to be right next to me. He needs to hear that he is loved and that his pain or his fear is seen. Miles needs to know that he's not alone. He's looking for comfort. When everything is going good and we're loving life, being comforted is nice, but it's not always needed or appreciated. It's mostly when things are really tough 
that we yearn to be comforted, that we yearn to be seen, and to be told that we are not alone. I want us all to think of those moments where we needed comforting, where we were in need of someone to hold us tight and to comfort us. Hold on to those memories as we begin our scripture reading this morning. The Magnificat that we read last week ended with verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. We are going to pick up right there this morning with Luke 1. We're going to start with verses 57 through 62. Hear these words. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. On the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zechariah because that was his father's name. But his mother replied, no, his name will be John. The people said to her, none of your relatives have that name. Then they began gesturing to his father to see what he wanted to call him. We're going to stop right there. Both Elizabeth and Zechariah, they know that this calling has been placed upon them and upon their son. They know that they are going to have a child who will prepare the way for the Lord. They know that they are going to have a child who is probably going to have a rough go of it, that is going to have to speak hard truths to a very stubborn Israelite people. Zechariah and Elizabeth know all of these things, and still, when Elizabeth gives birth, the rest of the world doesn't understand right away. I stopped at an unusual portion of this passage to stop, but I want us to sit with it just for a minute this morning. This this part of the story may be Zechariah and Elizabeth's first clue that this may not be the easiest of paths for their son. Names are a big thing for this culture. Names have meaning. Names have tradition behind them. It is not super unusual that the people are pushing back on Elizabeth's choice of name. And still... There's something that stings as I read this. The doubt of the people that Elizabeth couldn't possibly want to name her son that name. After all of the celebration and all of the joy in the birth of a child, Elizabeth is second-guessed. Here is a prime example of someone who's going to be in need of comforting, who needs to be reminded that they are not alone in this story. Elizabeth needs to be reminded that she's not going out of her mind by picking such a name. Luke 1, 63 through 66. Zechariah, after asking for a tablet, surprised everyone by writing this, his name is John. At that moment, Zechariah was able to speak again, 
and he began praising God. All their neighbors were filled with awe, and everyone throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard about this considered it carefully. They said, what then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with him. Zechariah confirms Elizabeth's wishes for their child to be named John. And it's only then that Zechariah regains his voice. (laughs) For me, this is a prime example of why I love the Bible, of why I love Scripture. While Elizabeth is in need of her husband to confirm that indeed they will name their son John, Zechariah is also in need. He must confirm that this child will be named John in order to regain his voice. The mutuality of both parties here is amazing. God places this enormous responsibility upon an unborn child. A child we read that was full of the Holy Spirit before he was even born. And in placing this responsibility, we see beautiful love and support that this couple shares. This couple comforts one another. They see one another. They honor God and uphold God's wishes together. When we comfort one another, when we create room for empathy and understanding, that's when we bring about the love of God into the world. Once the child is officially named John, and once Zechariah has received his voice again, the first chapter of John ends with Zechariah's song. So we've heard Mary's song, the Magnificat. This week, we get Zechariah's song of praise. It is often referred to as the Benedictus because it begins with blessed, which means Benedictus in Latin. This song begins like a lot of prophecies. Zechariah talks of God delivering God's people. Zechariah remembers the covenant that God has made with God's people in the past. And if you really love the poetry of prophets, I encourage you to read the Benedictus, to read Zechariah's song, because we're just going to read the end of it today. Verses 76 through 80. Zechariah sings this to his child. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You, John, will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide us on the path of peace. The child grew up, becoming strong in character. He was in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. This 
is joy, friends. A father singing about the potential of his baby son. Yes, the true joy of Advent is the drawing near to the birth of our Savior. And still, Luke shows us that joy is prevalent in the story before the birth, too. The Israelites yearn for a Savior. The Israelites yearn for someone who will walk among them as their own, someone who will show them how to live, someone who will remind them of God's love always. The Israelites always want more proof that they are seen by God. The Israelites want to be comforted. Jesus comes as that comforter. John the Baptist foretells of it. He works to prepare the hearts of the people, and still, people are difficult. John lived his life foretelling Jesus to his people. And John was comforted and supported and even celebrated and sung about by his parents. John grew, becoming strong in character. And still, the road ahead of him was difficult. Often, the people John spoke to weren't always ready. People struggled. The people needed more proof. The people were difficult. Often, we aren't ready. We struggle. We need more proof. We are the difficult people. That is the reality of Advent, that in the waiting, we are reminded of our true selves and how in need each of us are of a great comforter, the one whose birth we look forward to. We are reminded of Jesus' entry into the world and that that birth wasn't easy for a lot of people. And still, Jesus came. Jesus provided comfort and grace and everlasting life available to all people for all time. That is the joy in this season. We still have almost two weeks of Advent left. During that time, may we find opportunities to provide comfort for those who need it. And may we celebrate with those rejoicing. May we remember the lives of Zechariah, of Elizabeth, of Mary, Joseph, and John. May we remember the ways they comforted one another and the world and the roles that each of them played in the greatest joy coming to earth, our great comforter, Jesus. Amen.